So uh, when I was 30, uh-huh. so I bought my first home in Baldwin Park when I was 30. Okay. And it was, it was it's down the road. It's by, it's, it's, it's a, uh, they don't call them townhomes. Um, Condominium? So condos, yes. Okay. And it was $74,000. And I thought, oh my God, how can I, how can I afford that? That's so cheap. So I know, I know it was a two bed and two bath. And um, uh, it was my first home. And I, I was very proud, but I loved it. Uh, so I'm, I have a good friend. She's still, I'm hoping to have her do the show one day. Her name is Karen. And mm-hmm. she, you know, she hates it. everyone. All you young folks use that word Karen. On, let, me sit, let me sit back. All, the, all you young <laughs> folks use that term Karen. Uh, uh, Nick, how do you know if I'm not... How do you know if I'm not too loud? Yeah. Um, well, you did a little thing there, indicator. Yeah, oh, okay. So okay. Because I, I might go closer. Like, oh, no, no, no. And you guys say, <laughs> yeah. okay. I just always edit it so. Okay. I had to learn how to, you know, sit. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is not like me, right? I teach them in your face all the time. Yeah. Let me sit back a little bit. So, anyway. Um, so I was very proud of that home, and I remember it's it's a bunch of town. It was like two hundred units, and they had two swimming pools, and the, uh, and and the pools had each had like a little jacuzzi. Okay. Now I'm from L.A. and I grew up poor, uh, mm-hmm. you know, single mom, with, you know, four boys, um, and she worked nights, mm-hmm. and so this is my and I think at that time no one had owned anything. Thirty, none of my brothers had owned. It. I think I was I think I was the first one in my family to own something to mm-hmm. actually buy something. Um, I remember one night I was sitting out in the in the jacuzzi. I bought it around. Maybe you know, it was really weird because I got the. It took like it, it it was this empty land. So you had to you know um, uh, have faith they were gonna build it, and you had to buy, you know buy. It. They had all these plans, um, <clears throat> like either drawn out or they had some sa- um, um not samples. What do they call those homes you walk into the model homes. Mm-hmm. But when I saw it, it was all just empty land. So you know they said it would take a few months for it. But, well, oddly enough. It came in on my birthday, June nineteenth. Oh, wow. I got the key. To, to I said that's really odd. It was very very weird. Yeah. So it was summertime, and I remember singing in the jacuzzi sometime in the summertime, sitting, looking up at the stars, and thinking, "Wow, I made it! You know, mm-hmm. this is I I own this place." And so I was very proud. I know, yeah. You know, but I was in my I was thirty, and and then I. Um, Left there and bought a home in after 13 years there. Bought a home in Pomona, okay. a real house, a house with a big, huge front yard and a huge backyard, and it had a fireplace. It had a double-sided fireplace, so it was in the living room and the dining area. Oh, oh really cool looking. You no, know, it was an old home. It was, it was definitely a fixer-upper. Okay. And a lot of my former students and their dads and uncles helped me. They put in uh, sliding glass doors. They put in uh, tiling. They they put in sprinkler systems. They put in the grass. They really, 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 really did a good job. Mm-hmm. I bought that place for, I got bought that for $140,000. Oh, my gosh. It, and, and, and when I left three years later, and I, I okay, this is going to sound dumb, but I'm a big Halloween fan. Okay, I noticed. And yeah, you see that <laughs> on the background, this trick-or-treat sign. And um, the first Halloween, and it was, it was a nice neighborhood. It was homes that sat back. There were scary trees along the curbs. Mm-hmm. The houses, it's one of those typical, like, Midwestern-type neighborhoods. Houses, no apartments, no condos, no, you know, businesses. It's houses. I thought, wow, it'd be great Halloween time. No one came around. Zero. Oh, I'm like, what is wrong with this neighborhood? I cried. I thought, <laughs> I thought okay, I'm not. And then for the next two years, no one came around. It's like, what a dead name. and but it's not just me. Other people of the year, they now they they didn't decorate for Christmas. They didn't do for Halloween. I'm like wow, what a, you know. And these were most folks there were white, black, Latino. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, okay, how come no one doesn't anyway? But the folks told me the same thing over the years, so I'm not the only one who noticed that. But I got out of there after three years. I left, and and, and but remember, I was teaching in the El Monte area, so I I wanted someplace also closer to where I taught. I don't like being on the freeway forever, so. Mm-hmm. That house sold that I paid a hundred, I think fifty or hundred forty thousand. It sold for two hundred sixty thousand dollars in three. No, that was luck. That was just luck. I think that was two thousand and three, and I and I this place was two hundred forty thousand. Uh-huh. So I had kind of extra money. Yeah. But um, now and you know back in two thousand eight, twelve years ago. Mm-hmm. Just before the, the recession, mm-hmm. this house at that time was worth over half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. And I think, wow, it's really cool, you know. But then, boo, it went way down to 
like 200,000, but Kim, I didn't care because I only paid 240 for it mm-hmm. and I was almost paid off with it at that time. So like even though everything went down, everything crashed. Yeah. Those of us who bought homes, not when they were high, but when they were low value, we, we were, we're just fine. You know, we didn't buy high and have these gigantic monthly mortgage bills. Yeah. Cause if I bought in 2008, yes, there were some bankers mm-hmm. that were trying to get me. Uh, I remember the, they're gone now, but there was a, there was a bank called Washington mutual. Uh-huh. WAMU, right. Yeah. Ooh, those folks, I went down there and I, they, you know, I was a single person. They knew I, there was a house I wanted to buy back in Pomona again, a big, not big, but a nice Spanish style home. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I think it was half a million dollars at that time. Oh, wow. 2007, 2006. And I remember thinking, well, I can't afford this. But this loan banker woman at Washington Mutual thought, oh, yeah, you can afford it. I'm like, how? She goes, oh, well, we have this creative financing where you pay a little bit now, but as the years go on, you pay more, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, okay, you know, and I told her, and my real estate agent was sitting right there next to me. Yeah. And I said to her, I said, you know what? Now, back in, you know, eight, 12 years ago, I was I was in my late 40s, I guess. So I was, you know, old enough. I said, to her, you know what? I remember when bankers used to tell you the hard truth. Like, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Yeah. I said, I really don't appreciate you telling... And I don't know, know how I had the guts to tell her that, but I said, you're trying to get me into this this scheme where you know I can't really afford it. And she, and she goes, oh, two things. Number one, the the value of the home always goes up. Well, that's not true. It doesn't always go mm-hmm. up. But she goes, oh, yeah. So it always goes up. And secondly, in a couple of years, you can refinance your home because the value will go up. Had I listened to her... I'd be on the streets. Yeah. I mean, if I listen to her trying to get me to buy a home that I, because what you want to do is have a fixed rate, not right. something that, um, a, variable. a variable rate. Mm-hmm. You never know what's going to happen. And I, I understand young people, and I was one at one, one time, once before. You don't, you don't, you don't have, have a lot of um, money to put down. I mm-hmm. get that, you know. But, some of the see this is why we got into trouble back in 2008 2009 when the economy crashed yes banks were doing doing what they call predatory lending yes they were and real estate people were in on it because they were making their commission and a lot of folks and a lot of us buyers were in on it too a lot of buyers knew they couldn't really afford it but oh they they tweaked this and they you only pay one dollar this month and ten dollars next month or but next year you pay a million dollars well then if you know that anyway so yeah uh, we were all to blame for that. So when 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 the when the market went went kaputs and people were you know out of their homes and stuff, um, had I listened to that banker mm-hmm. from Washington, I'm kind of glad. They're, I think they, uh, they were bought out by is it Chase? Um, they were because they they should have gone under. Yeah. Because they were part of the people that were they were, they were part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your, so. There are some things I can afford, and I tell myself, okay, I can afford them. And if it's down the road, you say, okay, yes, most, most, 90% of the time, homes do go up, or 95% of yeah. the we get that, okay. But we live in very precarious times now, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not, I know I'm doing all this talking now, so it's supposed to be for you, but he'll probably cut this stuff out. But um, I'm not, you know, with, with the problem, okay, let me stop for a moment. Let me, let me do an intro. Because I, he's, I'm sure he's gotten our thing now. Um, okay. Because. Okay. Well, let me let me welcome Kim to the podcast. Um, this is a podcast where we try to show the world that we can have a civil C I V I L civil dialogue, a civil conversation between a younger person and you're probably either a Gen Z or a millennial. I think you're a Gen millennial. Z. Millennial. You're a millennial, really? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm proud. Barely. Okay. Yay! We graduated. So, so, and so welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm a baby boomer. And, um, the whole idea is to show that people can talk and have a good conversation without making judgments, without, um, you know, too much animosity and stuff like that. So hopefully this, a few people will say, yeah, I'll go find an older person to talk to if you're younger, or if you're older, you'll say, I'll go find a younger person. If you meet them at the bus stop or you meet them wherever you meet people, you know, 
without sounding too creepy, but wherever you, <laughs> wherever you meet people, just, you know, the laundromat, you know, the store, but kick back and talk for a little bit and just, you know, it, it, it's a cool world out there. Yes, we have a pandemic. Yes, we have economic strife. Yes, we have social unrest and we should. Okay, the social part, we got to take care of. That's stuff left over from a long time ago and you young folks are going to have to like help us deal with that. But um, just to bring people up to date, we're recording this after a week or two ago, Texas had this humongous, ep- this show was called Epic Exchange. There's been a lot of epic stuff going on the past few years, like life-changing stuff going on. And they had this snowstorm in Texas. And not only were people freezing, mm-hmm. millions in Texas freezing, but millions lost power. Mm-hmm. And if that wasn't bad enough, you had people who didn't have water because yeah. the pipes were bursting all over the place. Mm-hmm. So you and I are, are talking on the heels of that, you know, epic situation in one of our biggest states, you know, next to, cause we're, we're recording from California. But um, the whole idea is during all these tough times, and they are really tough times, the pandemic is a number. Oh, but hey, let's not forget we have global warming climate change on top of everything else. So... You young folks, and us old folks too, but you young folks have a lot to uh, on your plate. Yeah. You really do. So I'm glad to, to, to bring you here and, and talk to you. Um, let me get to your school first, because I'm so excited about that, because I know you went to my old alma mater, and I don't know what, what alma mater stands for, something mother, I don't know what the, the alma is part of, but um, Cal State Los Angeles, and you graduated with a bachelor's degree in what? A kinesiology, and then also a minor in criminal justice. What? Okay, you. So you kinesiology. For those who don't know, when I was younger, it was called phys- PE or physical education. Right. So now it's called kinesiology, the movement of the of body, body or the muscle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, why did you minor, I'll get back to that in a second, but why did you minor in criminal justice? Where'd that come from? You know what? Growing up, I constantly saw um, police uh, taking um, the eloteros, um, elotes Oh, away. the elotes, yeah, the guys yeah. who sell the little corn things. Uh, on right, the, the, okay. so I always constantly saw that. So they would throw their um, elotes and all their <sighs> materials on the floor and they'd take away their money and then they'd arrest them. You saw that in... El Monte? Yeah, so I was probably like six, seven years old when oh. I saw that. And um, immediately I knew, like, I have to do something to change this system because um, personally, I have a passion for my minority because I feel like we're still underrepresented in every aspect. Okay. So, um I thought, you know, just going into criminal justice and uh, not... Uh, providing myself knowledge with um, what is in criminal justice and in regards to that. And I think just learning about it and what kind of policies there are in place um, just made my brain expand, I guess you could say. Okay, you wanted to make some changes and and in that criminal justice area, Mm -hmm. how, how people are treated. Now, I've lived out here in the San Gabriel Valley for about 35 years. Mm-hmm. And I've taught in El Monte for about, I don't know, about 20 years or so, some, somewhere around there. And I think you're the first, and I know hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk to you in a second about something that happened just a couple of weeks ago that was on the news where there was, an, uh, I guess you call them street vendors, and there yeah. was a big commotion there. But I think you're the <clears throat> first person I've spoken to that mentioned that, that the police used to throw the, what do you call them? Eloteros. Eloteros. Yeah. Throw their 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 goods, their property, their merchandise on the street. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, that's got is that that's got to be littering. I mean, I can't believe that people like that because yeah. you, you left a big mess and who's gonna clean it up? But yeah. see, I already thought I was on I was on the impression that Omonte Police Department was kind of a little more caring than that. Um, that that they wouldn't do that because someone would it would get around to the mayor or a congressperson or something and they would like you know put a stop to that Mm -hmm. you know what growing up they actually had a lot of problems where um like just in general how they um kind of ran their department Mm. it 
it was just problematic. <laughs> okay. So everything they did was pretty problematic. Even like with the um, gangs that used to exist in mm-hmm. Almani, um, I believe they killed a person from that gang, uh, suspecting that they had a weapon. It was publicized on the news. That was the guy in the car. Yes. And for, okay, I remember. Yeah. Well, let me for for the view for the listeners at home. There was a situation about 10 years ago or so. Yeah. And there were two gentlemen in a car that were pulled over by the Almonte Poli- Police Department. It was, it was daytime, mm-hmm. right? If I remember correctly, if I correct me if I. And it was from a big shopping center. So it was. It was the Five Points Plaza. Oh, the, yeah. Okay, well, all right. And so. And I remember, from what I understand, one. And correct me if I'm wrong, because mm-hmm. again, this is so cool because I may be on a different side of this than your idea, but that's okay. Yeah. But what I understand, the passenger got out of the car. He was the police pulled him over, broad daylight, and from a busy shopping center. I'm not. I don't know what reason they had to pull them over, but they did. So the police were behind them. They the they, they instructed him to get out of the car. The passenger ex- exits the car, but from what I, from what I heard, and mm-hmm. if you hear anything different, let me know. This would be a good forum for for that. I heard that the Driver not only did not only did not get out of the car as instructed, mm-hmm. but that he was seen reaching for something right. under the seat or something, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's when shots were fired. Mm-hmm. Okay, so see at that point, um, I'm not saying I'm an older person and I'm Mister Law and Order, but at that point I think I would say, okay, so what are the police supposed to do? So you take it from there. So what is your take on it then? You know what? I feel like there's other alternatives that they can do. They can use a BB gun. They don't necessarily need to shoot a person. They could use um, one of the trank guns as well. Where a, what, a what gun? A trank gun. What's a trank uh, So gun? pretty much, like, I, I don't really know <laughs> the name of it, but, like, it electrocutes you. I forget. Oh, a taser. A taser. A taser. Well, well see, the, the guy was in his car, though, and if, he's, if you see him, if you're behind him, you see him reaching around under. Now, I don't know if his head was shaved. I don't know mm-hmm. if he was a gangster looking or, you know, fits the, fits the profile. But I'm not sure a taser or a bean bag gun would have gone through the windshield. And so, okay, so, so, so I'm sorry. So, so keep going, keep going. So, so I think protocol is that they're always supposed to roll their windows all the way down. So it is oh. kind of a doable thing in that case. Um, however, obviously I see why they would suspect that the person that they are stopping would like grab under and like reach under and grab a gun. Um, However, at the same time, it's like police officers are trained to kill. Like they're never trained to um, mitigate these situation. Okay. And I feel like that's kind of that's kind of something that's going on and constantly going on. Recently, I believe it was about two weeks ago, the 10 freeway by my house was shut down because El Monte Police Department shot another person. Oh, I didn't so, know. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, so it was a couple weeks after the whole um, street vendor incident. So Which we'll get to in a moment. But okay. Yeah, so um, they've been under fire for a while so okay yeah. well you know i think okay the black li- george floyd right in the, the midst again this is this is this this podcast is called epic exchange mm-hmm. we're exchanging ideas and views and thoughts and conversation stuff you know and you know a few just a few months ago you know george floyd was killed mm-hmm. and that sparked a huge outcry not just in america but a, a, around the world right and I think people have had it when you said something earlier about the police were trained to kill mm-hmm. as opposed to other methods. Um, I tend to agree with you on that. I mean, I, I'm sure I'll get some flack. People will say, no, that's not true. You know, I'll get whatever. Mm-hmm. But you, well, you know. Can I interject on that? Please. Um, so if you look at statistically, um, going back to how police handle situations, um, they handle situations very differently with people of color. So literally everyone that is white tends to get out alive, but everyone who is of color like somehow dies in their possession. (laughs) So I think that's the whole issue Mm -hmm. between um, police and their 
interaction with people of color. I hear you. Um, mm-hmm. So it's how can you get past that? You know, right. like why can't you treat us the same? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like actually, I had a police incident at um, Cal State LA. So an officer pulled me over because I guess I I didn't stop correctly at a stop sign. Um, And uh, like I was opening my car door to see what was up. And and he's like he pushed the door towards me and he was like, "Um, like, why are you getting out? Like, I'm like, well, I'm trying to see like why you're stopping me for like he's like stay in the car and so he called for backup yeah i'm like i'm five feet zero uh 125 pounds why do you need backup for you know so i i think just the interactions that they have with people of color and um i guess Hmm. the perceptions and misconceptions that they have of us like them being people in power, they have like, I don't know, like something against this, maybe. I'm not sure. Well, now in El Monte, mm-hmm. getting back to El Monte, isn't the police department largely Latinx or Latino or no? Um, have they made efforts to bring in people of color as officers of the law or? You know what? I believe their head chief was actually white. I'm not sure who their head chief is now. Um, But I think it is very um, demographically consistent with what El Monte is. So it is partly um, Latino. So, but at the same time, you're giving these people power like power mm-hmm. immediately like they literally just go to training and then they become an officer if you see uh europe i believe i was reading um up on this last time they have to go to through rigorous training they have to have a college degree so why can't we oh. bring those <laughs> ideas into our police force I believe that police should be trained in psychology, sociology, and um, race bias. I think they need to know Mm. what people of color are, what they think, and how they act. You know, just because um, I'm a Latina, people can possibly think, oh, I'm feisty. But I'm really not. I'm I'm pretty much the opposite. I'm just quiet. Mm -hmm. So, um yeah, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions and stereotypes that they need to acknowledge on their end when they interact with us. You know, when I was asking a few minutes ago about the, the demographics or the racial makeup of the, the police departments around here, or El Monte in, in particular, I can think back about 25, no, sorry, about 45 years ago, uh-huh. or actually like 50 years ago when I was in high school, so decades and decades ago, and my high school was in West Los Angeles, and it was largely African-American and, and white and some Latino at that and Asian. Mm-hmm. And I remember we had discussions in the classroom, for whatever reason, about race relations between the community and the police department. This is 50 mm-hmm. years ago in yeah. L.A., Los Angeles. And I remember the black students. Now, I, you know, I'm half black, and, and I, I call myself black, but... For some reason, I didn't encounter what some of the black students were saying. They were saying that that the police, when I asked you, and Kim, when I asked you earlier about the racial makeup of the police department, because I was getting back to, sometimes mm-hmm. the black students were saying 50 years ago that the worst cops weren't the white ones; yeah. it was the black ones. Mm-hmm. They either had to prove themselves to, some, to the the other the other officers, or that that they can't be taken for granted, or can't show any sympathy or anything, or empathy. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I was trying to allude to earlier when I said, "Well, no, yes, of course. Even if the Omani Police Department is a hundred percent Latino, yeah, doesn't mean they're not gonna um, not use." wisdom when it comes to dealing or, or let me put this this way they may have a, a different way of dealing with people of different colors let me mm-hmm. put it that way just because they're of a certain color or race doesn't mean that they're going to treat everyone equally and fairly mm-hmm. you know so that's i want to get that out there yeah so um going back to my criminal justice classes and just uh, pointing out a relevant point um so when um 
when women get raped, they usually don't um, send a female officer because of the fact that female officers put the blame on the victim rather than on the um, person that raped them. So statistically, they will send in a man. It's not be okay. See when I see when I heard those statistics, I saw like, like Donald Trump. Now they're all lies. It's fake yeah. news. Okay. So, so that's what I learned in my so criminal in your, justice. So in your in your criminal justice, not your program. Was well, just one class. It was a program you right. went to. So mm-hmm. at the university in Los mm-hmm. Angeles, you you learned that police departments in general, mm-hmm. if a, a a woman has been raped or assaulted, that they will. They will purposely send a male officer mm-hmm. to investigate, right? Because they feel that the a female officer would be too sympathetic or empathetic towards the the, vic, the female victim. No, that they wouldn't be um, sympathetic. Oh, oh, wait! That the female officer would not be sympathetic. Yeah, or towards empathetic the vic- because oh, towards the, they oh. place the blame on the victim. Female oh, so I misunderstood. Too. Okay, so the yeah. female officer. Oh, see, I was hearing something different. Thank you for clarifying. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I love this conversation. Okay, so, well, why do you think that is that the female officer would a female officer would blame mm-hmm. the victim? Um, I feel like uh, women amongst each other, we kind of stereotype. Um, each other in regards to the way we dress, mm. the way we talk, if we're flirtatious or not, um, and our interaction with other people, it has an effect on our perceptions of other women. Kim, honestly, I'm so glad we're having this conversation and that's Epic Exchange Podcast because for my whole life, I heard that the, the criminal justice system, the judicial system, they're, they're all older men, usually older white men, mm-hmm. and they blame the woman mm-hmm. for years. I've heard this my whole life that that a woman doesn't get a fair shake because the men think what she the men are seeing their thinking well she she dressed too provocatively mm-hmm. or she shouldn't have been there that time anyway or what was she doing all alone like they have any any excuse for the men mm-hmm. who are in the system. Mm-hmm. To blame the woman. Now you're telling me in 2021 mm-hmm. that <laughs> that police departments, which I think is kind of a good thing in a way, that you're telling me that they actually made the 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 conscious decision to send men out mm-hmm. to interview a woman, a rape, a possible rape victim, because police departments know that a woman officer. <laughs> a woman officer yeah. won't give a, a female victim an e- uh, uh, a, 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 well, an equal chance. Where the, the term, this see, this is turning things upside down mm-hmm. from what I was made to believe. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad. Again, I'm an older person. You're a younger person. You're sharing something with me that you learned in college a few years ago. I. But it's almost like then if that's the case, then I grew up thinking that the poor women, you, you need more women officers and more women judges and more women prosecutors mm-hmm. because then the women won't be treated, you know, again, victimized by the mm-hmm. system. Right. You're saying, no, women are actually worse. So what's a woman supposed to do who's been victimized? Right. I, that's, I, that's, a, that's, pretty, that's a pretty dim situation. Mm-hmm. So in your school, what was the what is the outcome? Or actually, what is the are there any proposed like solutions? If if men can't give women a fair shake and women can't give women, a fair, what's a woman supposed to do? Uh, honestly, <laughs> you that's must a, answer this, Kim. Yeah, answer, answer that that deep question. That that's deep. Um, honestly, wow. I feel like um, even within women, being a woman myself, um, we criticize and we. Ha- we try to degrade other women in general and that's something that you know we have to look at ourselves and obviously it's a reflection of who we are rather of who that person is right right so um we have to look within ourselves and you know engender our own self-confidence self-growth so we can stop degrading other women kim you know like I said, my 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 my, my um, background or what I learned in the past was like a lot of a lot of black victims of crime mm-hmm. 
may not get a fair shake from other black officers and people of, of, of under what they call under the color of law. Yeah. That now and now I'm hearing that women won't get necessarily a uh, uh, a fair shake from women who are who are in the law enforcement. So it's kind of like. Wow, if you're female or you're a person of color, mm-hmm. forget about trans or LGBTQ. But yeah. plus, well, it's almost like okay, you you now Kim now mm-hmm. now, this is coming on the heels of an election in November, a couple a few months ago, historic election, an epic election, um, and you and there's a lot of going on. And a month ago on January sixth, uh, there was. Uh, the insurrection at the Capitol in Washington, D.C., and there were mostly white folks that were charging up there saying the election was stolen and all this stuff. And I'm like, I can just hear people hearing yours in my conversation and saying to themselves, well, if women aren't good, um, what I'm looking for, good, good, not judges, good characters in, in law enforcement and people of color may not be, then maybe we should just have white people <laughs> run everything in America, white males, mm-hmm. because they're the most fair and 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 um, you know evenly balanced. Because the women aren't good for women victims, and blacks aren't good for black victims. So I can see someone turning this on their head and saying, "Well, that's a great conversation you two are having because this is what we've been saying all along: white power, right? Like mm-hmm. whites really know what they're doing, and they set everything up. And so why are we talking about, you know?" Police brutality or or race relations, Black Lives Matter, Times Up, you know, mm-hmm. Me Too movement. When in reality, all along, <laughs> all along, it's been the the white, straight Christian male that's been the um the best person to actually all these years to actually remedy these things and to and to, to judge these situations. Mm-hmm. Wow. I I so I may cancel this whole this whole discussion we're having. I'm not sure I want this going out there on the. <laughs> And to be publicized, but yeah. okay, wow. I'm not for white power. Or I, I, I just yeah, need to disclose that. Um, uh, the color white is not a culture, so I feel like um, everything that went on on January 6th um, pretty much summed up mm-hmm. Donald Trump's mm-hmm. presidency. Yes. Um, so, mm-hmm. how he got elected. I don't know how it pretty much we went from a country that was respected to something that was seen as senile. You know, um, pretty much we were trash, as Mm -hmm. um, Gen Z says. Um, So, yeah, a lot of my kids um, and not my kids personally, but I call my kids my students. um, They were just like, miss, like, who elected this president? Like, I'm so scared that he's going to be reelected again. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's okay to be scared because I myself am scared because we don't know what direction this country is headed as a whole if he continues to be president. Mm -hmm. So um, when January 20th came, Mm -hmm. like, it was kind of a sigh of relief. And um, um. At the same time, we know that as a country, we need to hold our leaders accountable for their actions and um, just in general, you know, try to uplift America again to not what it formerly was, but how can we make progress to what America can be, you know? what can we do so that we're all being seen we're all being reflected in congress because um uh, i believe the democrats try to do uh their best to put people of color in there yes you can look at it and see yes but i feel like (laughs) if the republicans want to contribute to that they should do the same um you know there's not a lot of republican people that i see of color on there it's pretty much white people again so what does that say about their party um so i I feel like you know that's why a lot of people um tend to go more liberal because they are seen in that area um but at the same time they also represent minority people they represent people that are poor Uh, myself reflected in that i think one of the biggest proponents right now is aoc which is alexandria alexandria ocasio cortez Mm -hmm. um she is someone that i see 
that reflects who I am. Okay. Um, specifically, even though she serves New York, um, I feel like she's someone that I look up to because she's Latina and um, she's in Congress and mm-hmm. she's trying to make a change for the people rather than super PACs or corporations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, you know, and wow, this is went from your scholars to all of this to police brutality and okay race and everything now we're in rob back back in the politics um i love politics oh, by you, the way okay. yes well we should just talk you know one I, i'll get you back over here and we can just talk about that forever because and, and let me as an older person having a conversation with a younger person let me shed what little bit i know i'm not just you know expert on it but Apparently, you know, we all know that Abraham Lincoln was a Republican mm-hmm. and that he, you know, freed the slaves and all that stuff. Emancipation Proclamation in the 1860s. Got it. <clears throat> and for a long time, the Republican Party, you know, they that's what they were known for. That, that was huge what he did. That was epic what he did, mm-hmm. what they did. Um, and up until about the 1930s and 40s, well, actually 30s, when um, Franklin, well, 1929, you had the stock market crash and all this stuff was happening economically and um, and financially. And then the, uh, Franklin Roosevelt comes into office, a Democrat. It wasn't so much what he did, although he did a lot, but his wife, Eleanor Roosevelt, mm-hmm. because of what she said, because of the things that she did, her actions and her words, you know, black folks started gravitating. Now, I, 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 I won't talk about Latinos yet and Asians, Native Americans yet, but but African American, which was the biggest secondary race at that time in America, the African American community, um, you know, they gravitated towards the uh, Democrats because all stuff that was going on. It, it wasn't. It wasn't even. We look back now, and it wasn't. It wasn't perfect with the the laws that Franklin, the policies and laws that they were putting in effect. To help America bounce back from the economic, from the the, the the Great Depression, and then World War II, 1941, we were in that for a few years. So, the Democratic Party, you know, it was really weird because the 19 my my mother who's 92 years old and she's white, mm-hmm. and she'll tell you all oh, the 1950s were so nice. You know, there wasn't all this ruckus and everyone you know marching and protesting. I said, Mom, yes. The 1950s were very nice if you were white, mm-hmm. you were Christian, you were middle class. Um, you know, we won't get into all the gender stuff and everything, but if you were like of one ilk a person, oh, the, the 50s were perfect. Yeah. But if you were another type of American, you had to stay, in, or, or, or female, you had to stay in your place. Mm-hmm. There's only, th- only so much you could do. And I, I, I had to remind her, well, yes, the 1950s is what brought us the 1960s, that whole civil rights mm-hmm. um, era. Yeah. That when I tell, as a teacher over the past 20, 25, 30 years, when I used to tell you young folks, you would just turn your heads. You, you couldn't care less about the civil rights movement of 1960. Yes, you hear about King and Malcolm X and maybe the Candies and the, the Democratic Party at that time. And you got to look this up, read some books, do some research. Um, you know, when John Kennedy comes in in 1960, 1960, when he comes in, yeah, or 62, 60, I think. Um, as a Democrat, and his vice president is Lyndon Johnson, this mm-hmm. Republican, Texan from Republican, Repu- Repu- I'm sorry, a Democrat from Texas, um, because Kennedy needs some Southern votes and all this stuff. Okay, we know how that, how that happened. Well, when Kennedy gets assassinated um, in 63, I think, um, well, Lyndon Johnson, a Democrat from the South, he believed in what, basically, from what I understand, from what I read, he, he believed in what Kennedy was, well, and Kennedy wasn't doing all this stuff either. He wasn't, he wasn't a perfect Democrat either, don't get me wrong. He's, he had to be pushed and persuaded and stuff like that. But there was, you know, in Congress at that time, in the early 60s, um, the whole South, all these Southern states were Democrat. They were all I think they were called Dixiecrats or something, and they were the most racist, segregationist people you've ever wanted to know. They were all 
Democrats. Uh -huh. And when I say all, I mean basically all. Well, Lyndon Johnson knew in 63, 64, 65 when he passed some of this landmark, epic legislation for civil rights uh, and uh, voting rights. Well, he knew, and, and, and where do all those Southern Democrats go to? The Republican Party. They all switched over at that time. And Johnson, along with a man named Richard Nixon, oh. they knew, they knew that the that um, the Democratic Party had lost the South for well they they said a generation or two, mm -hmm. so the Democratic Party in the beginning was pretty disgusting. Okay, it wasn't what you see now. Yeah. So fifty years from now, I hope and pray the Republican Party will get their act together mm -hmm. and find ways to bring people together into their group because right now you know. People, people make fun of AOC, okay, mm -hmm. uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. They say she's too liberal, she's too progressive, too far left. But let me tell you something. The Republicans have, as a Congress, some Congress people in Congress right now, and I didn't mean for this to get to all into all this politics, but they're saying, I, I, I'm not, see, with the social media, you guys can go online and look this stuff up. Mm -hmm. This is weird. This is scary because you have people in Congress on the Republican side, not the Democratic side, on the Republican side, who is saying, oh, yeah, the forest fires in California were started by Jewish people because they always come after the Jews. I mean, as much as blacks get it and Latinos get it and Asians now are getting it now mm -hmm. across America, it's sickening what's happening to Asians, sadly. But, boy, the Jews... Yeah. These folks just for years, you know, when they had that mass protest three or four years ago in, in uh, Virginia, in Charlottesville, they weren't saying all the N-words. They were saying the Jews shall not. See, I had to listen to that a million times. I said, I, I must be hearing wrong. Yeah. Are these white supremacist, racist, Nazi, KKK, are they really coming after the Jews and I don't want to say again because they, they've been doing it ever since, mm -hmm. but you just never saw it before. That that was now that's what Joe Biden says. That's why he decided he wanted to run for president mm -hmm. when he saw that that marching with the torches at nighttime. Yeah, it was scary, and that moved that man mm -hmm. to become to run to run and run for president. And I'm I I getting back to what I was talking about I. The the, the, the the Democratic, they have a woman right now who's, who's who in the Republican Party who's still saying that the California fires were started by some laser beams coming from outer space controlled by the Jewish people. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what kind of people elected her? Yeah. And that's pretty scary. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there are a lot of others who say, oh, this guy, you know, he, he and Kim are too liberal to progressive. Well, yeah. You can't find anybody on the Democrat. Now, yes, 50, 60 years ago, there were Democrats that were crazy and spouting all this stuff about keeping people apart, segregation. I get that. you know, they, they were, But they've all moved over to the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. So um, no one knows right now what's going to happen to the Republican Party. It's, it, it's, um, I hope I live long enough. To see, I'm, I'm not. Okay, I'm not that old. I'm sorry. I'm not. Okay, I shouldn't say. <laughs> okay, but I hope I can see it change and reflect America the way the Democratic Party changed, and 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 all the years I taught school. You young students always ask, Mr. Orrin, what's the difference, what's the difference between a Republican and a Democrat? And I say, I would tell me every four years. Here's what you do every four years when they have their convention. And the, 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 the camera people inevitably, invariably, historically, they will pan the audience so you can see all the balloons falling, everybody cheering. Look at the racial, ethnic, gender makeup mm -hmm. of the Democratic Convention. Look who you see there. And then for the, for the, for the fun of it, when Republicans have theirs, and believe me, it wasn't always this way. The Republican Party, I voted Republican a few times in my life. There were normal Republicans who didn't believe in lasers from outer space from Jewish people. They just weren't that crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but the Republican Party, now, you look, at the, you look at the audience and what do you see? You know, it's 99% white. Um, you just, you just, you, you just, it's, 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 
Well, you know, in a way, like I said, you folks, if I talked to you, if I had talked to you years ago about civil rights, you said, mm, it's all over, there's no, there's no more racism, uh, it's all been controlled. No, mm -hmm. no. The, the, the folks that used to have hanging, lynching party, when they used to hang black people, yeah. they're still around. Mm -hmm. They're old, but they're still around. Yeah. They haven't gone away. Mm -hmm. So we have to, so I'm in a way as horrible and horrendous as all this stuff has been the last few years, especially what happened in twenty in twenty twenty. You know, Kim, I think of that I think of that the let me tell you, the same day that George Floyd um died, mm -hmm. I believe it was the same day a, you know, a few a thousand miles to the east in New York, <laughs> you had this African American guy just out there watching birds. Mm -hmm. He was a freaking bird watcher. Yeah. And this woman with the, all he said to her was, "Hey, lady, can you please put your dog on a leash?" Like the law says. Mm -hmm. And you saw. I'm so glad for social media because the whole world saw how she reacted to that. Yeah. And she'll tell you she's progressive. She'll tell you she's liberal. She'll tell you she's open-minded. There's not a bigoted bone in her body. That's that's how that's what she would have told. Well, but look how she used the law. What you brought up earlier about criminal justice. Look how she was going to use. And if the police had come, that guy might be dead. Yeah. He might have died. So, I think the fact that as horrible as all this stuff has been to to watch. Us old folks need to see it, but you young folks need to see it because yeah. you folks are going to be, you know, all those knuckleheads that marched into the Washington, into the, 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 the um, Capitol uh, building in Washington in January. You know, the folks who should be marching in there are the people of color yeah. and the LGBT community and women who've been abused. You know, they're the ones who've been marching saying, hey, where are our laws to protect? But... Isn't that odd that the people who marched in there were the ones who probably, mo like I said, the, the woman in, in, the, in the park, she was calling the police mm -hmm. because she can do that. And all she had to do was utter those words, a black man is bothering me. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty. Crazy. It is. And, and it's odd that, it, it was way odd that both, both the people had this, the last name, the guy and the girl had this, I forget their last name is, but. They had, this, they had they, I think they shared the same last name. It was really kind of coincidental. It's kind of weird. And I think it was the same day that the George Floyd incident happened. So, Kim, we, I'm gonna stop this for now, and we we're gonna take up a part two at some point. Um, but I hope, you know, I have such faith in you and and you young folks, and you sound like I know you said you you said you're not feisty. You are. Really? It, you're, but you're a good feisty, yes. You know what? I stand up for what I believe in. Okay. So I, I don't think that I consider myself feisty, but, um, you know, I try to do best for what's uh, best for people that are around me, people that I know, rather than what I can do for myself. So I, I think my priority is always the people. So I don't know. Maybe someday I'll run for Congress. You never know. Well, you told me a couple years ago you were, you were thinking about running for the mayor of El Monte or something. Yeah. So these are all open to you, Kim. Yeah. I, I have such good feelings for you, and you're so smart. See, it's one thing being smart and bright. It's another thing having courage and guts and a voice. Mm -hmm. So you have both. Yeah. And I'm glad... So when the police officer, I got be, I got something finished up. And when the police officer told you to get back in the car, he called for backup. Did backup come? Yes. Really? Yeah. And finish that story for us. Yeah. So backup came, and they pretty much just wrote me a ticket and sent me on my way. But at the same time, it's like, why do you need backup for me? You know, like, what am I going to do to you? I literally come to school to educate myself, to be a better person, to gain knowledge, and. Um, you're over here stopping me and, you know, like, I think the situation in itself could have been handled way better. Um, but keep in mind, I was probably an 18-year-old. Oh. Like, I was 18, you know, okay. I had just started to drive. I had never driven before. <laughs> so uh, I, th I think that's another factor to take into consideration. But at the same time, what am I going to do at 18, you know? Well, you know, Kim, just so you know, my first ticket I got on the 10 freeway, the, what we call the San Bernardino Freeway, I think it's another name now, the 10 freeway runs east and west in, in San Gabriel Valley, L.A. I was 18-ish, and I was just 
got my first license, and I saw the red lights from the motorcycle officer in my in my rearview mirror. They're the worst. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to go there. I don't want, so I it took me a long time because I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm I was a dummy. I'm like, huh? What are those red lights for? Maybe it's just some some other another motorcycle. Maybe it's not an officer. So I finally it took me a little while to get smart, and so as I pulled over. That officer was livid. He read me the right act. He says, well, you know, if you had gone like five feet more, I would have to call for a backup saying that you were trying to run uh, run away from me or something like that. And, and we, you, we, you, you had guns pointing to your head. So he let me have it. He yeah. let, now, was I a dummy? Yes. You know, did I not know? Did I not think? Now, in your situation, now, by the way, so I got the ticket. And, you know, I was so, I was so innocent. I was like, uh. After he wrote me the ticket, I was like, "Officer, uh, how do I get off the freeway?" Now? <laughs> He's like, "Get out of here!" You know that, but but I, th- I think he, he 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 did help me. But um, in your case, did you learn that maybe it's not a good idea when you pulled over to get out of the car? Yes, oh, okay. I did. All right. Um, I you know what? Like, I feel that growing up, I never had that um someone to actually teach me how to drive so I, I think that came into consideration when of the actions sure. that I took yeah, so have... I, I had just started driving I took myself um to um uh, car classes or car driving classes because my mom didn't actually believe me that I could drive <laughs> so take it to consideration she didn't know how to drive mm-hmm. I literally taught her four years ago oh, when wow. I bought her her car so um Pretty much my method of transportation was always like walking or using the bus or a taxi. Um, so I, it was my first time. So yeah, and, and when you were trying to get out of the car, you were trying to not confront the officer. You were probably being very benevolent, like you, or benevolent, yeah. That you were just okay. Let me let me get out of the car and mm-hmm. you know stand with you. I, I don't want to be rude and sit because you might consider being rude sitting in the car when yeah. the officer comes. So. When we talk again at some point about the, the, the talk that black parents have with the black sons, especially, about how to approach the situation when, the, when you pulled over, which is sad, but that's America for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have that talk. But Kim, I want to thank you for coming and, and um, sharing some of your thoughts. It's been fascinating. And by the way, uh, my technicians here, I believe if you want to send a message to Kim, we have a web no uh, email, Epic Exchange Podcast, all one word. It's a long thing. I'm gonna see if we can put like EEPs on that later on. But Epic Epic Exchange Podcast at gmail.com, and you can leave Kim or me or anyone a message. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, be good to one another. Um, show some love, and we'll see you soon.